With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4CY Radio or its employees or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. Jesus said that if any man come unto me, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living waters. Thank you for tuning in to the Rivers of Living Waters broadcast. Wisdom has built a house and hewn out seven pillars. What are these pillars? How do we practically apply them to our life so that we can have success in every area? Join us as we continue our study on wisdom to find out. We're in Proverbs chapter 8 and 9. We've been talking about this subject that wisdom has builded a house. Chapter 9 verse 1. Wisdom has builded her house. She hath hewn out seven pillars. So we titled this series, The House That Wisdom Built. And the seven pillars, the seven things that hold up the house. Uh, and we've gone through the first one. Let's see if uh, the congregation today and those of you that are in our studio will understand. What's the first wisdom pillar, the main one, the center post? Now, that's right, the pillar of uniqueness. You've got to understand that you are created unique in His image. There's nobody else in the world like you, for which we say amen. amen. And He has given you a unique talent, gifting, ability, and an assignment, a purpose for living. Once you get that center post of the tent, everything else will come together, but it will help you so very much in your life. Now, the second one we said was the pillar of the... The pillar of the mind. It's so important that we recognize the pillar of our mind. And we spent a long time talking about how to program your mind more efficiently. I remember that old commercial that was on television sponsored by the United Negro College Fund. And it just said this, a mind is a terrible thing to waste. And it really is. Amen. And so we've got to guard our heart, guard our mind, make sure that we keep it good. I gave you seven things the mind needs in order to optimally operate in your sphere of influence with your uniqueness. Now, the third one we want to talk about today, and I think it's almost as equally as important as the other two. Those two are very central. You can't really start building your wisdom house till you understand who you are in Christ and what Christ has got you here for this particular time. You also need to understand the battlefield is in your mind. Satan wants to control your mind. If he gets your mind, he's got you. Adolf Hitler said, if I can have a child and train him, before the age of five, he will always be a Nazi. And you know what? That may be true because that, that programming of the mind for our preschoolers, programming of the mind, it's, no, it's, it's, it's not a coincidence that the LGBT community are specifically targeting kindergartners and first graders and second graders and having transvestites read to them in public library in drag costume. Why? Because if we can get your mind and get it in, indoctrinated and developed before the age of five, then we've got you for life. May I hasten right there and say to those of you listening, if you have children and you put them in a daycare or a pre-K, K1, K2, K3, a Head Start program, you better check out the curriculum. Make sure that who you're letting your kids mentor and, and be under, they're God-fearing people. Can I hear you, man? It's important. It is not 
Uh, you need to take that seriously about training the mind. Okay, now the third one, if you want to look in Pro uh, Proverbs 8, just a cha chapter before, and this is the pillar of recognition and discernment of life. The pillar of recognition and discernment of life's events. We'll go that far to say that. Do you know in the Hebrew, the language that the Bible was originally written in, it was written in Hebrew in the Old Testament and Greek and Aramaic in the New Testament. In the original languages of the Hebrews, there is no word that can be translated coincidence. The word coincidence does not occur in the Hebrew language. There is no word in the Hebrew language for the word chance. It's not in the Hebrew language. The, the word coincidence, chance, happening, or luck, those concepts are not in the Hebrew language, the language of the people of God. You know why? Because the Hebrews recognized the sovereign hand of Jehovah was overshadowing all areas of our lives. Amen. Therefore, nothing could be chance. Nothing could be good luck. Nothing could be karma. Nothing could be uh, just a coincidence because they recognize the sovereignty of God Amen. that he overlords and overshadows all of life's events. Oh, would to God we could understand that as New Testament Christians. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter uh, 8 and look down at verse number um, 1 through 5. says, Does not wisdom cry? And understanding put forth her voice? Wisdom stands in the top of the high places by the way of the places of the paths and, and she cries at the gates of the city at the uh, coming in of the doors. Unto you, O men, I call and my voice is to the sons of men. O ye simple. That word simple means those that don't have understanding. O ye simple. Not, not idiots, but ignorance. You see, I confess I'm ignorant in many areas. I'm not an ignoramus. I'm smart in many areas. But there's many areas in which I'm ignorant. I don't know how that works. Don't have any concept or clue. And so this verse said, O ye ignorant, O ye simple, all those who lack understanding, understand wisdom. We've been talking about the house that wisdom built, right? Now it says to understand wisdom. What does that mean? There's a difference between wisdom and knowledge. Wisdom is the skillful use of accumulated knowledge. Knowledge is the accumulation of facts. There's a big difference. And here it said that we need to understand wisdom. And ye fools, be you of an understanding heart. I've been preaching now for several weeks on this subject of the house that wisdom built. And we've been talking about being a unique person, having our minds transformed by the power of Christ. How have we programmed our minds for the kingdom of God? But you know what? That does you absolutely no good. That's just knowledge. The Bible said in Corinthians that knowledge puffs up. You know a lot of stuff. If you want to see that personified, just go to any of our colleges or universities that are secular in nature and try to talk to a professor of some subject, science or, or psychology or, or, or whatever the case may be, and you'll, they have a puffed up sense of ego. Amen? Because they have a lot of knowledge. Well, listen to something. I told you last week, if you can't do it, teach it. <laughs> if you can't do it, teach it. You know why they're teaching? Not in all cases, but mostly because they can't implement the knowledge. What good does it do to know that we're unique and we have a unique assignment? What good does it do to know that the pillar of truth is that we have a mind that needs to be trans, uh, transformed by the power of Christ and we need to program it properly and not implement it? Amen. See, we, today we're talking about implementing this wisdom and making it understanding. That's what the Bible talks about. You've got to understand there's no such thing as luck, no such thing as chance. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. What does it say? Very famous verse. And we know that all things, say that out loud, all things. We know that what? All things. What's the next word? Work. Say it out loud. Work. Oh, that's not a, it is a four-letter word, but it's not a bad word. Teenagers, young people, millennials, work is a good thing. Hello. And we know that all things work together for good. To them that love God, to them who are called 
according to His purpose. All things work together for good. So now listen, that says this, just like the Hebrews said, there's no such thing as coincidence. That declares that whatever happens to us in our life events, it is either a direct work of God, God caused it, God did it, or it is at least has been okayed through Him. Amen? God either did it or God allowed it. Therefore, all things, good or bad, all things, sweet or bitter, all things, positive or negative, all things, regardless of how they look or appear, will work together for good according to his purposes. Here's a note I put in my Bible. It said, God's will will be done in our lives. He will work out his will to accomplish the divine, unique assignment that he's called us to. Sometimes it takes more work than necessary. Have you ever tried to do something, and we males are really bad about this. Brother Hugh, I don't know if you have this problem or not, but I used to be really bad about it when I would get, especially at Christmas time, you know, when you got all the stuff for the kids and you're trying to put it together in the middle of the night and, and all that good stuff, I would never read directions. <laughs> you know, just look at the picture and try to put together what's there. And inevitably, it would take me, what, twice to three times as long. So now I've learned, and I noticed the other day my son, my middle child, the former teacher, we got a, a charcoal grill, a new charcoal grill. And the first thing he did when he came to put it together, and I was proud of him, was he looked for the instructions. He said, I've learned, Pop, that if I follow the instructions, it will work together quite simply and usually easier. Somebody say amen. Same thing with us guys. How many of you before GPS, all of us men, we would hunt and hunt and hunt and look and look and look, and, and, and our wife would say, you need to stop and ask somebody. You need to stop at the convenience store. You need to stop, and, and we'd say, no, we'll figure it out. I was talking to somebody last night and said, how do you get to the ark? And they said, don't. Don't ask us. We went 1,200 miles to get there because they went here and went there and went over in the hills and down the valley and went to the country roads and back and forth. You know what I found? If you just stop and ask directions, it'll be a whole lot easier. Listen carefully to that principle. All things work together for good. Sometimes things have to work a whole lot longer because self gets in the way. Amen? See, because we make a poor decision or we used bad or hasty judgment, in the end, God's will will be done and it will come out for our good because God's overseeing it. But if we'll just exercise the pillar of wisdom, the pillar of discernment, if we'll stop and understand before we proceed, then possibly, what is it? Prior planning possibly prevents problems. Amen? So we're talking today about how we can cut the time that it takes for the working together to get to the good. How many would like to do that? Amen. Nobody in here likes a whole lot of pain. You know, I had a tooth extracted this week and, and the dentist tried to talk me out of the nitrous oxide or whatever, the, the laughing gas. And I said, no, trust me to go a whole lot easier if you'll just go ahead and give me the gas. And so finally, after a couple minutes, he, he put the the laughing gas on me, and after about a minute or two of, of that, he could, have, he could have shot me and I wouldn't have cared. It made the whole process so much easier. It made the working together for good a whole lot easier when I swallowed my pride, and on the bottom of my file, he wrote, holy wimp. <laughs> I don't like, now my granddaughter's here. She's nine years old. I thought she'd come in the house that night because I was sitting there moaning and taking the pain pills, you know, and, and uh, wanting somebody to feel sorry for me. She walks in and says, hey, Papa, I had three teeth and one day took out by the dentist. I felt about that tall. So you know what my scholarly wisdom said? I said, yeah, but they were baby teeth. <laughs> this was a real tooth, amen. What I'm trying to say is sometimes when we swallow our pride and understand that we need to go ahead and based on uh, uh, historical fact, make a logical decision that honors God, it has sure cut out that whole painful process of working together for good. Not nearly as painful and possibly a whole lot easier in shorter time span to get to the good 
Because sometimes our shortcuts just don't work out. I'm told that in the counseling sessions in prison, one of the favorite sayings of the counselors is to look at the people and have them say this, my best thinking got me here. Not one prisoner thought that they'd lined up where they were. They thought they had a plan, and that plan didn't work together for good. You have to stop arguing (laughs) with Siri sometimes. Amen? My wife's here. She'll testify this. We'll put in the address of somewhere where we're going in the GPS or speak it to Siri, and then she'll tell us the directions, and I will say to Siri, who can't hear me, that's stupid. I'm not going that way. That's the wrong way. I know a better, and I'd take a shortcut. Mm Mm-hmm. Guess what I figured out? Siri knows best. (laughs) Sometimes GPS knows a whole lot better. I've learned to discern that the GPS is smarter than I am, follow the directions. Hello, can I hear an amen? So the pillar of wisdom that says to learn discernment and to practice the art of discretion. You don't have to jump into everything that comes along. You don't have to say yes to everybody and everything that comes along. Wisdom is the skillful use of knowledge. Knowledge is the accumulation of facts. Wisdom is using discernment to implement the learned skills and facts to make better decisions in life. Last week or week before last, I went to a seminar, a three-day seminar on real estate investing. And what I noticed in that seminar, now we've been doing it for a while. We've got several properties we buy and sell and flip and all that kind of stuff, have been doing it for years. I used to teach the seminars. I used to go to a lot of seminars. And here's what I found at seminars. You know what happens? you got seminar junkies. In fact, as I looked out of that audience of maybe 100 people that were in the audience, and I talked to some of them during lunch, most of them, this was not their first seminar, nor was it their second seminar. Some of them, I talked to one guy who had spent $40,000 that year going to seminars and had not yet made his first investment. I said, don't spend any more money. You could have paid and bought something for $40,000. Even if it was a bad investment, it's better than $40,000 spent on learning and not applying what you learn. Hello? That's right. That's right. There's the key. Ever learning but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. That's what the scripture says. It's nice to learn. It's good to do. But wisdom is taking what you've learned, discerning what your assignment is and the purpose of your life, and using discernment, taking action. Say that word. Action. Say it again. Action. You've got to take some action to accomplish your divine assignment. So this pillar of truth, the center post being understanding what my unique assignment is in life, programming my mind is pillar number two. Now, pillar number three is taking the knowledge that I've put in my mind and applying it to my divine assignment by the use of godly discretion. Look at Proverbs 8, 1 through 5 again. The passage says that simple men need to discern and recognize, here it is, the opportunities and the cautions of God. I sent out a text to our congregation this morning, and I said, discretion is the greatest part of valor. Discretion is the greater part of valor. Being discreet in what we say, understanding, separating like a sieve. My mama used to make, I'm dating myself now, but mother, sometime before she learned those hypocrite biscuits, you know what hypocrite biscuits are, don't you? The ones that come in a roll and you normally pop, and then out comes these 10 biscuits and you put them in the pan. Well, before that, she had what was called a sifter. It was a little... Uh, silver thing had a, a handle on the side and you put the flour and all the ingredients and then you sifted it. You know what I'm saying? And they, all the lumps and all the things that would not make her gravy or her biscuits correct, she dumped out. Listen to me. Discretion is the sifter of life's events. Sometimes God has given you a caution and sometimes God has given you an opportunity and here's the problem. Sometimes they look the same. How do I determine which one to do? How do I determine what road to go to? How do I determine what God's plan? Well, it goes back. See, we're building this house. We've got the center post, understanding first what my unique position is, what my unique assignment is. Then I program my, my mind by doing those seven things we talked about, having the goal and the focus and, and the environment and all those kind of things. Now, 
I can take that accumulation knowing where God is leading me, and then I can see things clearly. You need to learn how to discern some things. You have to discern right from wrong. Isn't that one of the first things we try to teach our children? Right from wrong? You don't have to teach them wrong. They know that pretty well. Amen? Man, I... I, I love my two-year-old grand. I love all my grandchildren, but I have a two-year-old grandson. I, he's you know kind of special because he's the youngest. And my twelve-year-old grandson says, "Somebody needs to teach him the word no." <laughs> he understands. Last night I was trying to talk to his dad on the phone, and and he was in the bathtub. And the next thing I heard, "I want out." And Jeremy and I kept talking. He said, "I want out." And he kept, I, Jeremy, and he got like, "I want out." I said, "Jeremy, I think we need to hang up." <laughs> Because the two-year-old is speaking, hello? You don't have to teach them self-will. You don't have to teach them, yes, you don't have to teach them uh, me and mine. You have to teach them right from wrong. Oh, my goodness, how many two-year-old Christians do we have? You know, some things are just right and some things are just wrong, black and white, and you need to discern which is right and which is wrong, and don't go there. Can I hear an amen? amen. We have to discern good people from bad people. The wolves in sheep's clothing from the sheep. Everybody that says they love you don't love you. Everybody that says they've got your best interest in heart really don't. Hello? Never has there been a more needful time to discern good from bad, right from wrong, good people from bad people than right now in America. Because we are in a battle for the very soul of America. And this upcoming midterm elections here, if you're listening to this, it's a, about a month out from midterms, will... I pray God people will look past party lines, look past what mama did, daddy did in the past, look at the people and say it's time for America to turn back to God. And the only opportunity we have to do that is to elect good people to office. Hello? Amen. That's right. But you see, sometimes those good people are not necessarily the ones that you would think would be the good person. How many of you would have voted for President Trump had Ted Cruz or Mark Rubio or somebody else been running against them. There's very few Christians, probably, that would have voted for President Trump. Which is, by the way, the reason God sifted all the other 17, 17 candidates out of the way because we don't have a perfect president, but we have a president who's perfect for the job. By the way, I did like that... Uh, the first hour, the first, within the first day after the release of that Baptist pastor from the Turkish hell that he'd been involved in, in prison, he went to the White House and prayed with my president. Somebody say amen. I got a video. He got on his knees, laid hands on the president in the White House and prayed for him and Trump prayed with him. We need to have discernment in these elections coming up that we will elect and know who the good person is. But we've got someone running in North Carolina and one's a former pastor and the other one is a former Marine. And I noticed that in the former Marine who's a Democrat, he says this, first words in his advertisement. Tell me why he did this. As a Christian, I try to do what's right from the citizens of North Carolina. I don't know if he is or isn't. But I'm saying just because he uses those words does not mean that he is. I'm saying we've got to have some discernment. And the only way you're going to get discernment is having the wisdom of having your mind already programmed with truth. We've got to learn to discern between right and wrong. We've got to learn to discern between good people and bad people. We need to learn to discern the voice of truth from the voice of error. Have you ever talked to a Jehovah's false witness? They're very convincing. They are certainly convinced. Have you ever talked to a Mormon? Now, I consider myself somewhat astute in the scriptures, but I had the opportunity of spending a lot of time with a Mormon. And if you listen, as I did to hours over the period of a couple of years I, I knew him well, I was amazed that how he, they could twist the scriptures just enough to where they, they really sounded believable. If you're not careful... You'll listen to a cult member. You'll listen to something that sounds good. Listen, hold on. You'll listen to somebody who's of the same faith and denomination you are, and they will persuade you into a different direction. You've got to be careful. See, because the truth from error, I've got a 16.9-ounce bottle of water here. 
purified drinking water. That tastes pretty good. 16.9 ounces. I probably drank about two ounces. So there's 14 ounces of pure water here. I have another bottle right in there if you'd like to have one. Listen carefully. But what if I took this 16.9 ounces and put one drop, one drop of cyanide in it? Would you drink it? Why? Because the one drop pours in the hole. You hear what I'm saying? So they can be 99.999% pure and be fatal in one-tenth of one, one-one-hundredth of one percent, and it's still error. There's a church in our, in our community right now embattled over the King James Version of the Bible. Oh, it's not a big deal. Yeah, it's a big deal. You, you can be right in every other area of doctrine and wrong in one area, and that's a voice of error. You've got to believe, you've got to know the truth, and you've got to ask God to give you the gift of discernment from truth and error. You've got to learn how to, oh, this is a good one. Ask God to give us the ability to discern God's voice from all the other voices. Do you know there's voices out there competing for you? The voice of reason is one of them. If you listen to a scientist talk about evolution and, and the long earth theory, if you listen and you look at the supposed artifacts that... With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. They have. If you're not careful, you'll get caught up in the voice of reason. I'm glad that one of our former members who used to be a Sunday school teacher here now and moved down to be with his son in, a, in another church has started a ministry called Dinosaurs of Faith. And he's going around to different churches, as best I can tell, and presenting a scriptural view of creation using dinosaurs as the basis of faith. Isn't that amazing? Because, see, when you really apply the scriptures, there is no, there is no error. There is no conflict between true science and true scripture. The young earth theory works. But you've got to be careful and not listen to the voice of reason, the voice of doubt and unbelief, or the voice of the world, the voice of the flesh, the voice of the devil. There are so many voices vying over our lives. We have to ask God to give us this pillar of truth, this discernment. Who's talking? And follow the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit. What I have found in my experience as a Christian is the one that speaks the loudest usually is the one that's from hell. Hello? He leadeth me beside the still waters. Not the loud ones. If there is any discernment about what type of church I should be going to, can I just tell you this right now up front? Listen to their music. If it's loud, the emphasis is on the beat, and it appeals to the flesh, it's error. And you need to avoid it like the plague. So many voices, but yet the Holy Spirit speaks in that still, small voice. He speaks to the inner man. Our flesh can justify anything. We'll get that in a minute. Discerning a positive influence from a negative influence. And sometimes, we talked about that last week, and week four, you have to dissect certain people out of your life. Negative Nancy needs to not be your nursemaid. Hello. Pray for discernment and use the wisdom of a faith-filled, well-invested mind who understands the uniqueness of our person and assignment and ask God to help us to have discernment when it comes to open or closed doors from God. You know, sometimes an open door seems like an opportunity from God and sometimes we don't want to accept a closed door. I was so happy today. We've been praying with one of our young ladies about a promotion in her job and by all rights, she should have gotten it. 
And I asked her this morning, I said, were you disappointed? And she said, no, not at all. And I said, really? I said, I was disappointed for you. I shed tears. I said, why, Lord? But here's what she told me. She said, preacher, I live by faith. Amen? Sometimes, but you know what? I want to say this to you. Keep applying to every position that comes available, like we talked about Wednesday night with Warren Buffett. Do not quit. It's just a test. I've been pushing forth on this will of God, what I believe the unique will of God is for our church to be a conduit for missions of a million dollars a year or more. And, and, and it's been, what, uh, 20 years or more trying to reach that goal. We had not reached it yet, but we're working on it every day. Can I hear an amen? Every day. We need to ask God to help us to discern between an open and a closed door. Is this from God or is this from Satan? That's a vital pillar of wisdom. I want to tell you something. Satan can offer open a door. The world can open a door. Or God can open a door. This is bad English, but good theology. All that glitters ain't gold. All that shouts ain't spiritual. All that feels good ain't good for you. All that tastes good isn't healthy. And all that offers money ain't necessarily a good opportunity for you. Amen? See, sometimes I said that in the vernacular so that it would hit, get in your spirit because sometimes we make decisions based on how we feel, if it makes our pocketbook larger, if it, if it's, uh, if it tastes good, uh, uh, if, if I can appeal even to the flesh and the spirit. Did you hear what I said? I've been to a whole lot of camp meetings and a whole lot of pastor's fellowships and a whole lot of revival meetings where there's been a whole lot of shouting going on. Unfortunately, you could tell it was in the flesh. <laughs> Amen? Because, see, when you get in those meetings, you get over, overcharged and you want to do something uh, and, and you want to feel energetic and sometimes you want people to notice you so the way you get noticed in a spiritual meeting is act spiritual. Years ago, I told you the story about a young man that my wife and I were mentoring. We had six or seven at the time and he was a big old tall, lanky fellow and he wasn't any more saved than this pulpit is. Didn't know Jesus any better than Buddha did, but he wanted people to think he was Christian. And so I got to preaching one time and he got to shouting because he'd been to pastor's fellowships with us and we'd been to meetings and, and they, he'd shout. And all of a sudden he got to shouting and he got to running the aisle. And the next thing I knew it was upstairs. We were in the upper room of a building. And he, he ran out the door and unbeknownst to him or to me, my dad had put a, a new floor mat at the top of the stairs so he could wipe your feet. Well, he hit that floor mat doing 90 miles an hour shouting the victory. All of a sudden I heard something go, <laughs> down the stairs he fell. The whole church got deathly quiet. And then we heard something go, <laughs> I kept preaching. He came walking up. And he, <laughs> he come in the door and said, I'm all right. It must have been God. I said, no, it was a devil. Sit down. Amen. God spared your life. But that wasn't God that pushed you down the stairs. He's probably the most wicked kid we had in the boys' home at that time. Everything that shouts is not spiritual. I have literally seen people hang from the rafters in camp meet. Literally. Hang, get, jump up and do chin-ups on the rafters. I've seen it happen. And then walk outside and they'd just be talking loud and boisterous. And if you, did, if you listen carefully, you could hear their spirit. We've got to learn the gift of discernment. Just because it's pretty don't mean it's for you. We had a discussion one Wednesday night on how to say no or when do I say no. Let me tell you exactly when you need to say no. You start making decisions based on pillar number one, your priority in life, what God has called you to do, what God has equipped you to do, what God has gifted you to do, your unique assignment. That's number one. And when you make decisions, you start from number one, God is first. That's your priority. Your relationship with God is first. Number two, your family is second. Your family, if it doesn't strengthen your family, it's not of God. If some man at work is trying to get you to go out to lunch with him and you're a married woman, it's not of God. Or vice versa, I might add. You see what I'm trying to say? We've got to understand that God, family, anything that takes away from anybody trying to get you to make any decision that other than to stand up, be right, and love to the end is not of God. I read somewhere, you young people that aren't married, statistically... There is just as many people in the church living together in sin as there are in the world living together in sin. That's sad. 
That's the wrong voice. That's discern. That's where do you get with that? You know, there's certain things that you just know is not right. That doesn't strengthen the family. God is first, your relationship with Him. Your family strength is number two. And then, listen, your church and your service for God is number three. Your unique assignment in life is welded together with all three of those. You first have to have a great relationship with Jesus and love Him with all your heart, mind, and soul. That will cause you to love your spouse as you love yourself. You'll love your children as you, above yourself. Come on. Amen. Come on. When you get, say I do, you gave up all your individual rights. Your responsibility now is to your family, to your children, to your wife, to your husband. And that's important. And then three, your unique assignment will always emulate and come from the church. The church is God's establishment on, during this dispensation of grace to reach the world for Christ. It's good to have a social outreach program. Goodwill's okay. Salvation Army's great. Whatever the other ones are. But they're not God's will for you, Christian. God's will for you is your local independent church that serves God, and you find your place of service here. We say, what if I don't have a place? You come to me. We'll create the place. If it's God's will, amen? Because that's the way of God. So everything else, everything else is behind. Notice I didn't put work there. That's way down the list. Career, way down the list. Hobbies, way down the list. If something, I don't care what it is, is pulling you away from these priorities, your relationship with God, your relationship with your family, your relationship with the church, no matter how it smells, feels, looks, talks, acts, it is not from God. That's discernment. So you say no to anything that pulls you away from any one of these three priorities in your life. James declares that every man is tempted when he's drawn away of what? His own lust and enticed. Every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Now that word lust to us in this day and time would be a, a, a wicked word. <laughs> I'm amazed sometimes at how meanings of words changed by culture. You know, I'm a very gay person, but I'm not homosexual. You see the difference? Uh, uh, gay just means happy, full of life. We've, we've changed the meanings of words. Well, this word lust during the King James writing of the Bible was not a bad word. It was just understood that whatever, that we just put this way. Every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own ideas and desires. That could be, that could be uh, positive or negative. If you have a desire to be uh, a good man, that's a, that's a lust, but it's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. Uh, if you have a desire for your wife, that's a good thing. It's lust, if we want to use that word, but it's not a bad thing. So we need to discern even that. So James says you can be drawn away, negatively or positively, good or bad. But you've got to understand, when you're drawn away by your lust, away from your priorities, then that's not of God. Recognize the influence that lust has, that personal desire, that thing. Oh, I got to have a new car, so I'm going to have to work double shift and work on Sunday. I'll miss church. Uh, I get to come once in a while. I'll listen to you on the radio. You know, for a long time, that's the reason I didn't really want to have a media outreach was because of the fear of people using it as a crutch to not be in the house of God. And I want to tell you, if you're listening to us today, whether it's on the radio, whether it's on, watching us on television or whatever way you're listening to us, this is not a substitute for meeting together with the people of God. You need the community of faith. You need to be in a worship atmosphere and a worship service, a fellowship of the same people in the same ship doing the same thing for the glory of God. Can I hear an amen? amen. We want to be an adjunct to you, but not the main one. That's why we want to ask for your tithe. Tithe belongs to your local church. Amen. But that thing, that person, that habit, that hobby, that sport, that attitude, if it's pulling you away from the things of God, every man is tempted when he's pulled away from his priorities. If it's pulling you away, if that desire is keeping you from the Bible, it's not of God. Well, I'm going to get my master's degree. I'm going to get my college degree. Several of our young adults now are in secondary learning institutions. Be careful. Don't let your studies of literature and business and psychology keep you from the study of the Word of God. 
If it's pulling you away from the Bible, it's not of God. If it's pulling you away from the worship of God, it's not of God. If it's pulling you away from your service time, it's not of God. Your Bible time, your prayer time, your family values, your moral absolutes, then that desire is not from God. And you need to have a discerning spirit. Say, no, I can't do that. It happened many years ago when I was doing seminars. And it happened again this week. I went to that seminar. They called me up for a follow-up. I told them, I said, I'm, I, I don't want to sound egotistical, but I really, I teach what you taught. I don't need to be taught again. And the guy said, well, I need to get you in touch with our personnel department. We need some more trainers. And it sounds like you have the experience we need. And I could get you on the seminar trail right now, and we could, we could use you. And I said, excuse me? Yeah, because the first words he called when he called, he said, hey, I was supposed to meet with you Sunday, but you weren't here. And I said, no, I was pastoring, and I'm not going to be there on a Sunday. Then, 10 minutes into the interview, let's get you in touch with Lee Arnold himself. Let's get you in touch with the guru. Maybe we can put you on the payroll, and you can go out and do se-. I said, remember, I'm a pastor. I couldn't come to the seminar because it was on Sunday, and I certainly am not going to keep others out of church by coming to a seminar. Hello. You say, that, was that a bad decision? No, it wasn't. It wasn't even, hey, it wasn't even painful. It didn't even enter my thought processes because there are certain things that you are not debatable. When our kids were in church, there was no question. Saturday night, Dad, are we going to go to church in the morning? That was never asked at our house. When we were on vacation, are we going to, if we happen to take a Sunday and go on vacation, are we going to have Bible study? Are we going to go to church somewhere? Absolutely. There was not a question. Are, are we going to, Pray over our meal? It's not a question. Are you listening? See, when you have this discernment, you understand that things that pull you away from the Bible, things that pull you away from the worship of God, things that pull you away from the service of God. Listen to me. I told you on Wednesday night a few weeks ago, you need to say no to everything that's not associated with the church. But I want to be a pink lady. Well, let the world be the pink lady or you serve on the pink lady during the week, but you be in church, and if there's a service for the Lord, you've got to do that. I learned that lesson painfully young. I, told, I think I told the story Wednesday night a few weeks ago. As a young kid, pastor, I was probably 14, 15, 16 years old, a preacher boy they called us then. I got involved in a gospel group. I loved to sing gospel music, southern gospel music. Love it. Made a record, an album, a few things. Loved it. Traveled everywhere we could go to sing. I love to sing. Love to sing now. And we, I was in charge of booking. Our, you know, people would call and want you to come sing at their church or their, whatever it was, usually church. But I was a pastor. I was called to preach. My pastor called me up and said, hey, I'm going to be on vacation or out of town or something, or whatever it was, and I need you to preach for me whatever day it was on a Sunday night. And I looked at my calendar and I said, well, pastor, I'm sorry. We're booked. The gospel group we're in is booked for that Sunday. Dead silence on the phone. Dead silence. And he said, okay, can I tell you this? That was my last invitation from my pastor to ever preach at that church. Was it good that I had a gospel singing and, and was going to sing and minister to people and song? Oh, it was good. But my calling was not to be a gospel singer. My calling was to be a pastor. My calling was to preach. I should have preached. I should have... You see what I'm saying? But I was just a kid then. I didn't have discernment. Some of you lack discernment today. Oh, well, uh, you know, they say if I work this job, then I can have that. Let's stop! If it pulls you away from the known priorities of your life and the known purpose of your life, it is not of God. We've got to learn to discern the third voice and refuse to listen or tolerate it. The third voice is always trying to be Lord of your life. What do you mean the third voice? That voice that causes confusion with you and the Holy Spirit. That voice that causes you to doubt between you and the Holy Spirit. That third voice in a marriage, that third voice, that, that woman that's trying to get you to go on, uh, do whatever, that man that's trying to get you to come over here, that, that third voice uh, of the employer saying, hey, if you'll just work Sundays, you can get a right. That third voice of the, uh, hey, if you open this business and sell liquor, uh, that third, uh, are you listening? Are you listening? You need to recognize that third voice and refuse to listen to it or tolerate it. The third voice desires to pull you away, to change your focus, to get you off track. 
from what God's design is for you. That's the reason all things work together. Because we listen to the third voice too much. Then God has to work it out. Okay, well, he, he, she went that direction. He went that direction. <sighs> Going to have to work it out so that he would get him back on track again. Are you listening? When you have a horse race, they put blinders on the horse's eyes so they can't see the left or the right, only in front. Because they don't want them to get distracted by the third voice of the hooves on this side or the third voice of the hooves on this side. Only look toward the goal. Are you a good blinded Christian? When you understand that center post, that number one, I have a unique assignment, I have a unique gifting, I have a unique calling, I am programming my mind, I am renewing my mind daily, I'm transforming my mind into the will of God, then you'll have discernment to avoid the pitfalls of the third voice. Jesus said in Luke 7, 25, that wisdom is justified of her children. You know what that means? In other words, the flesh and the human intellect can justify anything we want in life. We can justify anything we do in life or have our own logic, our own desire, our own lust, our own worldview will justify what we say, do, or think. Well, you know, it's my grandkid and you know you're supposed to spoil them rotten. All right, you know... Uh, Maybe if they go to that particular venue, they might be recognized for a scholarship or maybe recognized for this or recognized for... You, you know, you know. Well, I know going out with my male boss man alone to a nice restaurant may put me in a compromising situation, but you know, I might get promoted from it too and he might like me, da, da, da. You listen to what I'm doing? I'm justifying sin. I'm justifying compromise. How else does the Metropolitan Church exist? Wisdom is justified. Of their, oh, we have to love everybody, regardless of their race, their creed, their gender. Do you know there are some people who believe that God created homosexual kids? There are some Christians who say it's God's will to abort babies. I use that word Christian very loosely. But they will justify it by the very scriptures that you and I use in plain text, they'll take and twist that thing and justify their own motives, their own motivation. Wisdom is justified of its children. In other words, if you're not careful, if you're not careful, you can justify sin. So we need to learn how to exercise this pillar of discernment. Pray for discernment. Pray for the ability to recognize. Pray for the ability to distinguish. Pray for the ability to separate between an opportunity from God or an obstacle in the path of God. If it doesn't take me closer to pillar number one, if it doesn't take me closer to my unique assignment, if it doesn't take me closer to my purpose, my goal, my dream, then that's not of God. Anything that pushes me away or draws me away from my unique assignment, I need to practice discernment and stay away from it. Now, you know this is simple to preach, but hard to apply. Because as a Christian, most of our decisions are not good or bad. Most of our decisions are good, better, or best. God has a submissive will, but he also has a perfect will. I know we talked about this. We've got to be careful that we don't meander off into the path of the submissive will of God. Oh, boy, I was reading in Proverbs. Where is it? Some of you better at it than I am. It says, um, I read it this week, so it's in the first... 15 chapters, it said, where there is no oxen, the crib is clean, by, but by much plowing is increased. In other words, what it's saying is, if you, if you want to have a nice, clean sanctuary all the time, and you don't have to worry about this, that, and the other thing, like the first church split we had where the deacon came to me and said, the, the little children that were coming on the bus were destroying our church. And he said, you're going to have to choose between us or them. And I said, who's the us? He said, here's what he said. The people who paid for these buildings. The money people. I didn't have to think about it. I know that sounds foolish, but I didn't even think about it. I said, look, I hope y'all have a good time. Thank you. God bless you. But we're, I'm going to stick with the bus kids. I'm going to stick with the poor. I'm going to stick with the ones that nobody else wants. Because I was that kid at one time. Hello? Thank God for a red bus that came by and picked me up and took me to church. 
And they had buses, and, and, and kids tore up the, the tile off the floor, and kids did crazy things. I can remember one time going to Miss Vera's uh, Sunday school class. She was screaming, and I went. I talked to the one across the hall, and I went, and they had this poor saint of God that had bifocal glasses and beautiful silver-gray hair. The boys in her class had threw spit wads and hit her in the head, and it's all over her face and everywhere. I remember <laughs> hearing a scream from the ladies' restroom as I walked by, and this woman come running out. And I said, is anybody else in there? And she said, no! And I went in and this kid that I'd picked up on the bus had gotten on the top of the stall and was, and was scaring all the women in the stall. I chose that crowd over the money crowd. Cost us a huge number. Cost us a lot of finance. Hey, but that's been 30 years ago and we're still here. Somebody say amen. Let's pray. Lord, help us to have the gift of discernment. Help us, Lord that we might be led by the voice of the Holy Spirit and not the voice of the world, the flesh, or the devil. And when that third voice comes in, help us to recognize that voice that would pull us away, pull us away of our own lust. And help us to walk, Lord, in the wisdom of what your assignment is by our mind fully invested and strengthened that we might make proper and right decisions. And one of those decisions needs to be make Jesus Lord of your life. If you're not a Christian, you haven't been saved, you're listening to this and you have no idea what I talked about because you're, you, all you care about is, your, is you. <laughs> that means you need to be born again. If you want to be born again, why don't you just pray a prayer like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I admit I'm a sinner. I believe you died on the cross, rose again, and I pray that you'd come in my life and save me. Make me a new creature and help me to have discernment to be able to walk in your path. I repent of my sins. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> We hope you enjoyed today's edition of Rivers of Living Waters broadcast brought to you by the Making a Difference Network. We would love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. Please write to us, Living Waters Broadcast, 911 Treasure Place, Southwest, Concord, North Carolina, 28055, United States of America. Or email us at maddenradio at gmail.com. Again, that's M-A-D-N radio at gmail.com. Or visit our website, maddenworldwide.com. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you join us tomorrow for the next part of this message. Until next time, we'll be praying for you and your family that together we can make a difference around the corner and around the world.